0: And use the code PEACE for 15% off today. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome back to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I'm here again all alone. And I want to talk about this idea of correction. I posted on Instagram recently that I try not to correct my kids. I really, really, really do. And the reason being is because one, it doesn't work. And two, likely they already know that they've done something that is quote unquote wrong or not the right decision or something that they're either embarrassed or ashamed about. So, I had a lot of pushback. How can you not correct your kids? How are they going to know right from wrong? How are they going to know what they did wasn't the right thing? You have to have firm correction or you have to have kind correction or you must have correction because it's one of the ways in which kids learn how to behave. And that's the way the world works. We're corrected all the time. A lot of you know, different ideas about, well, actually the same idea, but a lot of co- different comments about how we have to correct our kids. So here's my take on things. I believe, and what social scientists tell us is that, first of all, we're born with empathy and we're born with this idea of remorse. And that by the time we're two, most of us know the basics of right and wrong because we've been watching, little kids have been watching, babies have been watching thousands of interactions. They've watched parents interact with one another. They've watched parents interact with other kids, parents interact with other adults. They've watched hundreds of interactions. And so they've gleaned this idea of morality, what is right and what is wrong. Morality doesn't need to be explicitly taught, like you need to do this or you don't need to do that. We really learn and understand the ideas of right and wrong by watching people who are modeling things that are right and wrong. So I know we think that the the best way to help somebody learn something is to explicitly teach them. And in other words, to tell them, you need to do this. You shouldn't do that. You can't be unkind to your brother. You have to be nice to your sister. You know, you can't backtalk your teacher. It isn't necessarily true that teaching our children in this explicit way is how, A, how they learn, or B, that it. Actually, it helps them internalize this idea of morality. So, I think the confusion also becomes this idea that we somehow believe if a child does something wrong, that the reason they did something wrong was because they didn't know better. I also don't believe that that's true. I think a child will choose the wrong thing many times, most times, probably 95% of the time, a child will choose the wrong thing because they're in a dysregulated state and they made a bad decision, just like we all do. I make bad decisions all the time. In fact, I probably make more bad decisions than I make good decisions. And many of those moments where I've made the mad bad decision have been in moments where I'm dysregulated, where I'm not thinking well. I've said mean things to my kids. Even recently, I've said mean things to my kids. And I haven't done so because I don't understand that I'm not supposed to say mean things to my kids. I've done so because I've gotten to a bad place. I've been triggered. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. I'm whatever those things are. And I'm, I'm sure all of us could agree to the same idea that we, we make mistakes all the time. And, and we don't make those mistakes based on this idea that we have a poor understanding of morality or that we believe that being unkind or lying or you know saying something that is not well-received. We're not doing those things because we actually believe that they're the right things to do. There's no way that that's true. And when we do these things and we're allowed some space, how do we feel afterwards? So when we're allowed the space to sink into what we've done, how do we feel? We feel remorseful. We feel guilty. We feel ashamed because all those things exist in our in our psyche. When I do something wrong, I immediately feel bad. In fact, I have so many parents who will come to me and be like, I'm, I feel so guilty. I yelled at my kids. I feel so bad. I said the wrong thing. I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible father. I, I don't know how I'm going to go on. They'll never forgive me. This is horrible. So we understand what it's like to live in the shame of our mistakes. Why do we believe that children are any different? Why do we somehow believe that children don't follow that same pattern of remorse and guilt and shame? Why do we believe that somehow we should tell them? Oh no, you shouldn't do that. That was bad. We should really sit down and have a talk about this. That's the other thing I hear too. Well, we have long conversations. We really sit down. It's like it's like punishment, light, right? We really sit down, and I really ask them. Well, why did you do that? Well, what happened? Well, what were you thinking? That is just as shaman is saying. Don't touch your brother, because. It doesn't allow for a child to go to a place where they can actually analyze their own behavior. It has them now thinking that you believe poorly of them. So that's the other piece is that when you go to correction, you're showing that you are, you have some sort of judgment about your child's behavior, that you don't think the behavior is okay. So not not only not only does the child not believe their behavior is okay because they truly do. I believe that in my heart of hearts, I believe most people, unless you're a you know crazy lunatic, have remorse when they've done something wrong. now what they do that without remorse is something different, and if they have been conditioned to go to shame because they've been chastised their whole life, now they might not be able to take responsibility. but that's a whole nother podcast so when you're given the space to you really lean into this idea that you did something wrong. It only exists when it's devoid of someone telling you that you did the wrong thing. How do you feel when someone you know shames you for your mistake? It, it doesn't feel good. And it could put you in a defensive place. It could put you in a place where you don't want to accept responsibility. It could put you in a place where you're not really able to apologize. So That's why correction, especially in these moments. So that's the other piece of it. In these moments, these hard moments when your kid has done something wrong, that's not the moment to have a conversation. I don't think there's any moment for these conversations unless we're talking life and death, but that is not the moment to have the conversation with the child who did the wrong thing. They're offline. They're not listening. They're not able to comprehend what you're saying. And they're deeply in their feelings, probably. So coming to them with the correction in these dysregulated moments, is it's not the call at all. I think when you come with connection, instead, it allows your child to sink into their mistake and analyze it themselves much better. Is it 100% foolproof? No. But over time, if you take the stance of no correction when a child does something wrong, Over time, they are way more willing to take responsibility for their actions. It makes perfect logical sense if you think about it. Think about it in terms of adults. If an adult is constantly corrected all the time, all the time, they're gonna start to get defensive. They're going to start to have resentment towards that person and the relationship is gonna begin to corrode, right? Think about your partner. If your romantic partner is constantly correcting you, How do you feel about your romantic partner? Even if they're quote unquote, right. Even if yes, your behavior might not be what it should be. Now, I'm not talking about like beating up people and, you know, I get these comments too. Well, what about domestic violence? Okay, well, let's, that's a very small percentage of what we're talking about. Let's keep it to like normal, the things that we correct all the time. So if we're constantly hounding our partner and correcting them, it corrodes our relationship and we start to be resentful toward our partner and we don't want to be around them and it become, our relationship gets really icky. Why should the parent-child relationship be any different? Why should we believe that just because a child is a child that they don't have developed emotions, that they don't have a complete limbic system? Babies are born with complete limbic systems, meaning they can have all the feelings. So if you're born with a complete limbic system, then of course... You're able to understand relationship and feel resentment. And you're also under be able to understand when you've done something wrong, right? Because you have the feelings of remorse and guilt and and shame and all the things. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein alpha-lac found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. ByHeart is an easy-to-digest formula which includes prebiotics and an 80/20 whey to casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. ByHeart is the only US-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com. Forward slash podcast, use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her questions via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her responses or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something your future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories, This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I used mylifeinabook.com to compile my own stories to give to my daughters for Mother's Day. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code PEACE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code PEACE for 10% off today. This is why I deeply believe that correction is not necessary, but we can intervene with connection where we feel like, you know, someone's going to be hurt or there's some aggressive behavior, or you want to set a kind, loving boundary using play or affection because anything else will carry too much shame, especially for those strong-willed kids or the strong-willed sensitive kid, or the highly sensitive kid, or most kids. (laughs) I think every kid's going to fall in one of these categories, right? Where nobody wants to feel shame. So what I like to do, and I talk about this in the aggression episode in season one, but I just want to reiterate it because I haven't talked about it in a while. But what I like to say is like, "Ooh, little kids who hit their brother are going to have to have 500 kisses. And then I get in between the brother and the kid. And I take the kid who's being aggressive. And my goal in all of this intervention is to get the aggressive kid online because that is the best way to keep everybody safe. So people will say to me, what about the kid that was hurt? Yeah, the kid was hurt. I try to, you know, put a hand on them, give them a wink, say I'm right here. But I believe that the best protection for a child who's being hurt is to come with connection to the child who's doing the hurting because if you don't get them better, it's gonna happen again in five minutes. So let's say you come in and you do the correction. You're not supposed to, you know, hit your brother. Look at your brother. Look how what you made him, how you made him feel, your poor brother. Oh my goodness. This is not okay, honey, you cannot do that. All right. Now how does the aggressor feel? Probably resentful, angry, angry at the brother, angry at you, angry at everyone. And his disconnection hasn't been addressed. And so he's living in more disconnection and probably more resentment for his brother. And now he's going off for the rest of the day with a heightened sense of dysregulation. And so then the next time they have some sort of interaction, he says, brother again, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help the child who's being hit. It doesn't help the child who's doing the hitting. It doesn't help anything. What does help is coming with connection little boys who hit their brother are going to get 500 kisses. Some kids will say, no, I don't want 500 kisses. And then you go into empathy. I understand. I'm right here. And you let them offload. Maybe they'll let you give the 500 kisses. Maybe they'll say, I'm going to hit him again because I want 500 kisses. And then you think to yourself, okay, this child is telling me they have an unmet need. That unmet need is connection. And so I need to give them more kisses. I need to lean in. Let's do a special time. You want to go outside and play? Can you then just deeply lean into connection with a child who's begging for more? I think it's a very counterintuitive way to think about things, but I think it could really help people move out of this idea that correction somehow is helpful. It really, really isn't. Now, there are those cases where things are really bad, you know, I, I, maybe very few and far between. I will. Very few and far between. I will later on two, three, four hours a day, two days, say, "Hey, you know, the thing that happened. What do you think about it?" And the kid might get defensive, and as soon as they get defensive, then I back off. But if there's something that's serious, I do use that as my last resort. Now, I hate even saying that because I think people will be like, "Well, she said we could visit. We could visit it later. We could visit the, you know, the the mishap later." But I think you really have to be careful and really use that sparingly. Do you absolutely believe it's necessary to have the conversation? Do you absolutely believe there was a, something that happened that was super dangerous or something that happened that really needed explanation? And can you present it in a way that isn't correction? Can you ask questions about it? Can you dive into a conversation that feels more, you know, less judgy, so to speak? I do use that for very, very few things. And I try not to use it at all if I, if I can, because our kids know, and as they get older, they definitely know. So my kids are 14 and 17. They know, they absolutely know when they've done something wrong. And I don't need to point it out because it deeply damages the relationship that I share with them. Now, are they going to get corrected in other places in their life? Absolutely. They're going to get corrected at school. They're going to get corrected in society. Their friends are probably going to correct them. Other adults are going to correct them. And that's okay. Those relationships aren't as sacred. This relationship I share with my daughters is sacred and I don't want to tarnish it with these ideas of correction because it's it's important that I maintain its integrity and I maintain its integrity by helping them feel that I don't judge them. And I think that's a it's an important piece too, is that we don't want to sh- tell our child by our actions that, that we judge their behavior because then love feels conditional, right? You got mad at me because I hit my brother and you were upset and you reprimanded me. And now do you not love me as much? We don't want to show that idea of conditional love. We want to keep cemented in this idea of unconditional love. Okay. So my challenge to you, which I challenged people on Instagram is, can you not correct? Can you actually not do it? I said 10 days on Instagram. A lot of people were like, yes, I can do it. I want to do it. Maybe you're like, no way, I can't do 10 days. If you are saying that to yourself, (laughs) I can't do 10 days. That's something to think about. That's something to journal about. That's something to contemplate. Because if you can't do 10 days of no correction, then you're probably doing a lot of correction, I would imagine. So take it one day at a time, like they say in AA. Just one day at a time, can you, can you abstain from correction? Can you abstain from drinking? Can you abstain from correction for one day? And then can you string together another day? And so on and so forth. And if it's hard for you, imagine your child because they must be receiving a lot of correction. And if they're receiving a lot of correction, how do you think it feels to be constantly corrected? Now, I don't know who I'm talking to out here. There could be people that are constantly correcting. Maybe there's nobody. I don't know. But if you feel this is hard, that you can't stop correcting, then that's something to look at. And if you want to know what else to do, you have to lean into connection. So it's empathy and it's special time and it's coming with affection and it's coming with play and it's all the ideas of connection instead. And every situation will call for something new or different. And if you're confused about the ideas of connection, there's so many places to learn them. I teach them in my one-on-one coaching. I teach them in my Connected Parent Mastermind, which is an incredible group community program, which is lovely. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. It's half asynchronous and it is half live. And we have a new Slack channel where everybody's in there communicating. So... You can get them in those two places. I also have two lovely coaches that work for me now. So you can do coaching with them as well. And they're so lovely. So lots of incredible places to get help. Podcast is also a good resource. I've got lots of free guides and I have um, some online mini courses that are also good too. So dive in. If you can't figure out where to find these resources, email us, peaceandparenting at gmail.com and we will get you started anywhere you'd like to go. Okay. Thanks for joining me on the Peace and Parenting podcast. See you next time.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.